What is up, everybody? Welcome back again to another episode of Rigged for Dirt, the podcast that brings my backyard to you. <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> Lately, that kind of seems to be the case. <laughs> this is garbage. Hey, COVID, fuck you. Yeah, right. <laughs> like, And you know, uh, truth be told, it's not so much COVID these days now that we're all getting kind of back out out there on the trail things are starting to open again yeah things are open and people are going out and people are having fun i can get a haircut indoors yeah can you that's pretty cool yeah i got one on thursday how's that working out pelosi (laughs) no cameras yeah (laughs) not that stupid (laughs) um no i mean this is kind of garbage in the in, in the fact that we haven't really done a lot of episodes anymore on the trail from the trails yeah i mean at least even like earlier we were doing a couple up in saddleback yeah. Yeah, it's been, you know, I'm I'm just stoked that we that we were able to kind of get together and at least do episodes through this dry spell because mm-hmm. when all of this kicked off, like you and I had the conversation about are we even going to do episodes? Right. Like should we just take a break? Yeah. You know, which would have been the easy way. That would have been the easy way. Um I'm glad that we didn't because somehow we managed to, you know, pump out what six or seven episodes and actually have things to talk about. So you know, I'm glad that we didn't. Um, life well, can life welcome, continued, right? So so should we. Welcome to the episode where we run out of things to talk about finally. Right. <laughs> um, <laughs> we still haven't done a best of episode, and that to me is the final. Like you've you've hit the wall. We almost we almost <laughs> we did that last night. <laughs> it's like Frank, are you really gonna go through all the content and pick some stuff out? And he's like, Nah, fuck it. I'll just come over to your house. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, this episode we're gonna kind of talk about Rubicon. Yeah, because what that was like. That's right. We left it off with you putting Kate back together, um, and for the Rubicon, right? And then you went, and that was an, a crazy experience in and of itself. I think so. Yeah, I mean, uh, um, the night the night before. Well, so we did we did our episode, and then I was still working on the rig, right? Up up to like around 10 o'clock at you night. You had a hustle. Like you had some serious, like you had to, you had to go like source ball joints, I think. Yeah, right. Like yeah. you had some crazy, like last minute. Yeah. There was some things didn't work out. Yeah. There's always those little things that come up that, you know, throw you for the loop. And I had, you know, got everything on, we got everything on and I said, okay, now it's time to go get the alignment since, you know, all the arms were taken off and put back on. Granted, I didn't adjust anything. So it turned out that once I got to, uh, I went over to four wheel parts here in Riverside and once I took the vehicle over there. They're like, actually, your alignment's great. Your ball joints are totally fucked. <laughs> I'm like, what? And so it went from like this one thing that I thought I had, this one issue I thought I had, which was alignment, to a whole completely different issue the night of having to leave, like yeah. the night before I leave. So I'm like, well, Synergy was sending me out a rebuild kit for their ball joints that I was running. Didn't reach me yet. And uh turns out that they had done an address redirect, which actually... If anyone's getting anything shipped, and if you redirect an address, it takes another like week and a half to yeah, get to. Yeah, it basically resets the clock. Not only resets the clock, but like throws into the wheels of like bureaucracy where like paperwork has to get filled out. Oh like, my gosh. So it goes from like what would have been a two day delivery into like a two week delivery. Yeah. That's crazy. Anyways, so there, the ball joints from the rebuild kit from them was actually coming the following day that I was already on my you on should, the road. Yeah, you got to get gone by that point. And, uh, and so. I go to AutoZone and I get some like these cheap Duralast ball joints. I'm like, they're going to have to last at least like for one trip. You know? Dura better. Can't, yeah, <laughs> couldn't be too bad. And luckily I had already purchased like the press kit. So yeah. I, had, I had all the tools I needed. And uh, yeah, and then 
within like a two and a half hours, I fucking replaced. I mean, experience kicked in at that point, yeah. right? Because it wasn't your first, uh, you're not your first rodeo with the ball joints. I, w- I will say it's one of those jobs that I've traditionally done with like a group of friends. Yeah. Present. Like even when we swapped out Matt's joints, we were like, there was three of us. And it's not so much like you need the manpower. It's just you almost need the affirmation or the, you know, somebody kind of looking. Somebody and going, nodding, going, yep, that's right. <laughs> or if like, or if like something stick in uh, troubleshoot real quick. Like yes. that's how it usually works out when we're in, at the garage totally. with each other and working on shit. But I was by myself, and literally, I realized how much time we waste because I was able to get that shit done in like two and a half hours. <laughs> and normally, which would have taken us like four, four and a half between beers, yep, shooting the shit about it, kind of two three, guys, three sit- people taking a look, you know, two guys sitting back there going, yep, yep, <laughs> yep, so, and then another guy going, I don't think that looks right, right? Yeah, yeah, so. Um, that was kind of funny actually that, that realization. Um, but then it got done, it all got done and I took off and, you know, of course we were on, we were doing the pre-launch of the Flex Era 3 at work and I thought we were kind of dialed and it's like, it's what I get for thinking because like everything went to shit, like on my way up, like on that, you know, of like on the other side, me being on the other side, right on like the, the consumer and seeing all the marketing events sure. and all the things going on. It didn't look like that from our end. Like yeah. from my end, I was like, this is going off. Awesome. This yeah. looks sick. Yeah. No, you I know? mean, to his credit, we've got some great guys in the team. Uh, one of whom is Taylor. And then on the e-com side, there's another guy, George, and uh, they, they had to do a couple scrambles. Like, you know, some things were, like, unaccounted for. Um, some stuff probably could have waited a week. But, like, when you, when you, like, uncover one thing, suddenly you see some other stuff and it all becomes right. one big thing. Which, you know, usually I'm there to be like, oh, no, we're good. Like, just handle this one thing. We're good for a couple of days on the other stuff. But I wasn't there. I was yeah. like, you know. And uh, I found myself having a, you know, probably I was on calls for about two, three hours worth on the way up and then had to pull over and do some quick like work to like get out but at the end of the day um it was like a, a bit of a stressful start um i had actually originally gone i so my first stop that morning when i took off for the rubicon was front runner outfitters and they have these quick release mounts right right and um you know by myself i'm like uh you know i don't want to go through the hassle of like trying to install these things by and myself. you got to line those things up. And it's one of those things you probably want to take your time with. Yeah, or, yeah. or know how it works. Right, so like, exactly. I have done it before. Um, and so I knew, like, you know, FrontRunner would be able to do it and the content would be cool, like, just do it at their shop and, you know, um, keep that relationship pretty solid, which it has been. Um, and, you know, to their credit, yeah, they, they stopped. They made the time. Um, Steve, like basically the, the guy who runs all of the U S operations, like he's like the, I guess, president of CEO. Oh, I'm not, uh, you know, I, it's I either CEO is. or president. Yeah. yeah I of, think he is a CEO. A front runner. Um, he's just, he's just a head dude. Yeah. Like that's, um, super cool guy. He's one of us. I mean, he's got his, uh, yeah. um, his Tacoma. He's got a Tacoma. He's also got another, a land cruiser, doesn't he? Yeah. 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 So he's like really big into that world too. Yep. Um, Super nice dude, super humble. I mean, we did our podcast with him, and you yeah, know. it's an episode you should definitely check out if you haven't. Like, that's that was a lot of fun and of fun. very insightful. And you know the way that he makes time Absolutely. to do these things, and he never makes you feel like you're rushed, even though you know in the back of your head you're like, this guy has like a million things to get to. <laughs> so this dude ends up personally with another one of the guys. Um, they just go to go to work, and they and they get it done. And 
I filmed a little bit of it and took some pictures, and it was a nice little clip. Which is one of the things that I think that I respect a lot about Steve is that he's he's not he doesn't just like he's not just back there on a computer right. and kind of like quarterbacking everything. He's he knows the product. He knows how to put it together. He knows oh, yeah. how to install it, and he and he he'll, he'll roll his sleeves up and get in it. Well, I think part of it's the fact that that's how he came up. Yeah, exactly. Like, he came up doing the the work, and yep. then you know ended up becoming the planner. Yeah. You know? Um, and so, yeah, he, he, he got it done and it was like done perfect. Like it's super flush and, you know, I took that. So I ended up going from my four person, uh, FSR tent, which I still have to the two person, uh, sky camp mini from yeah, iCamper. The new one, right? Yeah. And it's a hard shell. It opens up super quick and it closes super quick. I mean, yeah. I, I was joking on, on social. I was like, I'm no longer the, the last guy set up you know which i used to be with that yeah. big ass tent yeah um and i still have the i still have the free spirit still like stoked on on how like spacious and uh you know uh comfortable that tent is um but it's just when i'm doing these trips by myself and i want to you know have a little bit less weight i've you know to put in perspective taking off the the free spirit adding the sky camp mini and then not running the awning has saved me about 100 pounds up top yeah, that's pretty significant. Yeah, it's a decent amount of yeah, weight. Yeah, that's significant. Especially when it's such a point of high leverage yep. at the top of the vehicle. Yeah. Um, which I think kind of saved my ass a couple times on the Rubicon from tipping over all the way. <laughs> Anyways. So so who did you go with on this trip? Because, I mean, I didn't go, obviously, or else right. we'd have an episode from, from the Rubicon. But um, I had other things going on. Um, but what? Did, who did you go with? Like, you didn't go alone. You had a solid, a solid group of friends right. um, that we all know and... Yeah, so heading out, um, I met up with Randy, who was driving his uh, JK up there with his uh, cousin Will. And uh, Randy's from Casey. He's one of my guys on the marketing team. Um, and uh, he actually wasn't driving his rig. He was just going to jump in. Him, oh, okay. and, him and Will were going to jump in with people um, because he's got like his 30s on there. He, I don't, I don't know. I don't think he has lockers. Like whatever. So yeah. he, he wasn't. He's he like wasn't about to go do that. And, yeah. Yeah. Um, so he. Uh, I met up with him on the road, and then we just caravaned up the rest of the way um, through the grapevine. And we met up with um, Adam, oh, that one dude, his wife, oh, that one chick, Kayla, um, Alfie, uh, which is Alfie DTLA, JL, I believe, um, Hugh, which is, uh, I, forget his, I forget his Instagram, but I, I nicknamed him Hardline Hugh on this trip because <laughs> he's got a bitchin' red beast of a gladiator on 42s. Wow. Just a monster. And uh, he's got all custom suspension work from uh, Crash Fab. And just this thing is like, this thing was walking up so much stuff. That's crazy. Even with that white-ass wheelbase, the the massive tires kind of offset some of that that wheelbase. And, uh, yeah, we called him Hardline Hugh because he kept doing, like, the hardest shit, like, on the trail. And he he got a little little beat up for it, but nothing that, you know, can't be uh, buffed out with a little bit of spin and some polish. Yeah. Um and then, and then this uh, one dude, Alex, um, Alex Shirky, I believe is his name. He had a JK. And then Steve and uh, um, uh, Steve from uh, Power Tank uh, with Tyler, his son. Oh yeah, yeah. And uh, and they brought their JL. And Steve is just such a solid crawler. I mean, that guy really knows how to yeah, drive. Yeah. You know, like I've been. This is my second time on a proper trail with him, and. Yeah, I mean he's he's legit. So and it's always good to have him too because he has skills that you might need like welding your track bar back onto your jeep. <laughs> um, 
and I'll get to that. So yeah, so we we all met up at this place called the Ice House Cabin up in. Uh, it's at the. It's close to the Rubicon Trailhead. It's about thirty minutes um, away. It's a series of cabins. It's kind of like a motel in the woods, which you know. Interesting. It's hard to look at it as a motel because it's so pretty, like, yeah, all around. But they've got RV lots and then okay. this little series of like like a motel row of like little cabins, and uh, not even cabins. Literally, it's a motel, but it's really nice. And then they've got a general store, and then they they do breakfast and and lunch and whatnot, um, full menu. So it's a solid place to camp out, to stage a lot of room in case you have to work on something, right? Um, and that's kind of important because I think people also like. Unless you're local, you're not just going to drive and do the trail. You're going to have to drive. You spend the whole day driving, sure. get to the trail, or get close to the trail, call it a night, and then get up early and begin the trail. Totally. Yeah. And uh, so so we stayed a night. We drank a little bit that night. Everyone kind of got to know each other, hang out. Uh, we, at the very beginning of the, the run, and including that night, we had some guys from Gatekeeper Off-Road that were with us. Um, three of the guys were there film crew and uh the owner i believe oh wow um and so they were kind of hanging hanging back with us and uh, on that first day doing some filming doing some crawling they had a tj that was fully built up really nice rig um but yeah that morning we we all got got ready and and headed out um got to the trailhead got some of those you know pictures with the sign that, that you the have man, to get the mandatory yeah yep. welcome to the rubicon uh-huh <laughs> and i think steve said it best uh, that beginning part of the Rubicon is probably one of the most epic just visuals that you'll you'll come across. And there's some other spots where you end up with these like massive granite slabs, um, but just just the amount of rock, just yeah. th- this like massive, never-ending like kind of landscape of rock is pretty. It's a lot to take in. It's really cool. Um, but before, as we were airing down, this lady was walking around and she was actually signing people up for AirMed uh services oh wow yeah which i'm like after That's, makes a lot of sense yeah after seeing adam roll just on a flat you know kind of desert right ground i realized how easy it probably is to like roll your jeep um and possibly get severely injured yep uh doing something like the rubicon absolutely so, so it's like there's a few hundred bucks but what ends up happening is even if you have garmin which i do and you have the service they'll still charge you the difference of whatever's not covered so, correct if Garmin's, if whoever Garmin calls is, for instance, these guys, these guys will still charge above what. Yeah, and that would could be, be it could be as high as twenty grand. Yeah, to totally. come and get you yep. right, and so if if these guys cover ten or fifteen, you're on the hook for the ten or five. Yep, and you know you could talk those amounts down. Like this is one thing I learned through Adam's experience is a lot of that stuff could get talked down. So a lot of the money that he was able to raise when he had his issue, yeah, he was able to actually use that to cover the majority of his costs. But uh, but even when you talk it down, you're still looking at like still significant quite a few thousand dollars yeah. of money out of pocket yeah so i just said fuck it i spent the money thankfully didn't have to use it but now it's like i've got for the next year i've got a peace of mind of like if i ever get into some hard shit like yeah and i got the fly you home package so like if i'm in iowa right yeah whatever and something something goes down and my hospital is kaiser right so they'll fly me from whatever hospital back to kaiser here yeah for free yeah i've seen those plans and um it's definitely you know if you spend a lot of time out in the backcountry some of those there, there's national and international plans yep. that i've seen um yep. garmin offers them too um different tiers and they have uh, or you can go straight to the company that they contract with and get it from them it doesn't matter it's it's really it's a really kind of ingenious and 
like you said, depending on what kind of adventures you do, it might it's worth considering because it could it could very easily bankrupt you or at least put a significant well, dent in your savings. Yeah, especially when you have a family. I Absolutely. Mean, is it is it worth a couple hundred bucks to make sure that your family doesn't fall in some hard times? Absolutely. You know? Christmas will suck, you know, because yeah. you can't afford presents. Yeah. Like, yeah, fuck that. So, yeah, and, I mean, some of these plans, they'll fly you to the local hospital and stabilize you and then fly you home Yeah, from there. And it's like, you know, up to that point, Adam had never rolled his rig, you know, yeah. when he rolled. And it's like, it would have been easy for him to be like, dude, I've never needed that. And right. But that's insurance. That's, that's exactly why it's called insurance. It's the definition of it. It's right. the insurance to know that. You know, or assurance to know that you're not going to have to worry about it if shit goes south. Yeah. And to be honest, like you couldn't have planned that accident. Like it was such a freak like moment. Yeah. That even if you try to do it in real life, it probably still wouldn't have been as spectacular. It probably would have been a flop. Yeah. You know, like he probably just flopped over on his side. The fact that it was such a spectacular role in that he was airborne and this thing was like, I mean, that's like you said, that's precisely the things that you cannot predict that eventually will happen. They may never happen to you, but they will happen to someone, and they do. Yep. And you you hope it's not you, but if it is, it, it sucks. Yeah, I like, mean, he rolled over, and he had, like, some broken ribs and a broken yeah. scapula, and, you know, those are injuries that you're not going to want to be in a rig right. jostling over rocks for, yeah, like, five hours correct. to get back, you know. Especially if you, yeah, you're in the middle of the Rubicon, and, yeah, yeah you got to roll out. Like, that's, yeah, that's gnarly. And then even if you're at the trailhead, you're still, like, hours away from, like, a proper facility. So Absolutely. So you want to get airlifted. You want to get the fuck out. Yeah. You want to get to help as soon as possible. So if you guys ever do it and you see these people walking around and in your head you're thinking, oh, dude, I'll never use that, like, just get it because you might. And it's, it's, it's relatively inexpensive. Like, I think the national plan is, is like, about $150, $140 for the year. And in the grand scheme of things, that's nothing, man. That's yeah. that's like what a, a couple of a weeks of tank of gas. Yeah, you know, like that's really not. Yeah, that's really nothing. And and people like and don't think you have to go super far because what you need to consider is the local hospital. I mean, for us, we're in Southern California. Joshua Tree is two and a half hours away. Yep. If you critically injure yourself in Joshua Tree, your nearest hospital is forty minutes away. At least, yeah. And that Palm means, Springs. and that means that you're not going to get help for 80 minutes, right? Because it's 40 minutes out and yep. 40 minutes back yeah. to the hospital for them to get you. So, and a helicopter is still 20 minutes. Like it's 10 minutes out and 10 minutes back. And it takes a while for them to mobilize, to and mobilize and get you. Yep. And so, you know, when when minutes matter, 80 minutes is a long time to wait mm-hmm. when things are critical. Yeah. So that's one of the re- that also underscores you know how critical it is that you're able to stabilize yourself yeah have, in that have situation. some basic first aid have some basic first skills, aid yeah. and be able to at least stabilize yourself so that you can wait those 15 20 minutes if you're lucky enough to get airlifted you know to have a spot or to have a garmin totally where you can call for immediate help um and if you can't and you need an ambulance then you know you're going to have to stabilize for you know upwards of an hour potentially yeah yeah, and you know, having a broken leg or something's not going to be fun. But yeah. if anything, if you could take anything away from this, like recital of you know how the Rubicon was, is some of these things that I experienced on the trail could hopefully help prepare you better for when you decide to do it or you come across these kind yeah. of things. Um, another cool thing was there's one of the guys from the Rubicon Trail Foundation, I believe, out there passing out like uh, bandanas and uh, um just kind of it's kind of cool like there's this so there's this whole group of people that takes care of this trail yeah 
the Rubicon Trail Foundation, and basically, it's basically privately owned for a, a portion of it. Um, it used to be some kind of like, I wouldn't call it a highway, but it was like a main route um, for like... Was it like a trade route or something, or like a mining route? I don't know. There was there's something more to it. Like, it was actually like... There's was, some history there. There's some history there, and I, I would I would advise anyone to go into it. I really didn't take too much time to do it myself. <laughs> um, but uh, but they'll tell you. They'll tell you all about it. And uh, anyway, so when you get on the trail and you start going, um, oh, he was he was giving out a, a um, cleanup kits for the trail. Oh, okay. Yeah, spill kits. So you can okay. Oh, that's really yeah. cool because yeah, you do you do break things that that spill fluid yep right you could puncture an oil pan and or, they don't want that yeah no absolutely yeah it's 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 basically that's, one of those things smart. where they know it's going to happen yeah and it's they, they give like when you're staging and you're airing down they go around passing out these kits. that's really cool yep so we get on the trail and we get through these slabs it's amazing and then we get to the first like major major obstacle uh past this like long route of like rock garden you know like this one part of the trail is like all rocks like it's like a it reminded me kind of john bull yeah where it's like all like decent sized rocks and boulders and stuff that you're like kind of traversing um but once you get through that the main gatekeeper first main one is uh the soup bowl and the soup bowl is pretty interesting there's a full bypass so you could just drive around it and not even have yeah. to mess with it right and uh but watching people go up it seemed like totally doable based off of what we did in moab and i'm like dude i'm doing this no matter what and i would be actually tested for that statement because everyone kind of went and then i went to do my attempt and suddenly my rear lockers weren't working i'm like fuck oh well so couple like you know couple tries still not locking up still not working so i back out i look under and the wiring for my rear diff is disconnected Oh, and we had talked about that yeah. in the last episode when yeah. we when the diff got removed. Yeah. So what had happened was I had I had wired everything up, but there was a there was a possibility I'd maybe like mix the wires too. So, you know, I kinda left everything loose. Steve from Power Tank saw my wires hanging out. He like tightened everything up and I'm not trying to blame Steve, but when he tightened it up, it re- it removed the slack. Oh, for the for the flex. Yeah, for the flex and for yeah. the droop. And so once the rear end went kind of drooped drooped out like it just snapped the wires oh no and so this would happen over a period of like four to five attempts of me trying to get up the soup bowl yeah and the wires keep kept disconnecting finally i said fuck it i parked the car spent half an hour just like doing everything and then i just left it hanging i kept i kept tightening it up i kept like trying to wrap it up too like uh, with zip ties but then i'm like you know what fuck it i'm just leaving i'm leaving it hanging giving it the slack it needs yeah and then at one point two um the, I blew my fuse, so the front and rear wasn't working on one of the attempts. And I'm like, what the fuck? So I checked the fuse, and sure enough, the fuse had blown. Oh, wow. It was, like, super hot. Yeah. Um, so, you know, if you guys ever fall into a similar situation where your your lockers just aren't engaging, check your wiring. It's possible that you could have, like, you know, damaged it. Uh, check your fuses. Um, it's under, it's to the right passenger side of your engine bay. Um, yeah, just check that. Because it'll be, it'll be probably one or the other. Yeah. Um, because you have e-lockers, obviously, because you have the fuse. Correct. Yeah, I got so e-lockers. e-lockers. And, uh, yeah, if you have if you have air lockers, like, you're probably a little bit better off. You know they're going to engage. Like, it's kind of like as long as your compressor is working, there's right. pressure. Yeah, you're good. Um, anyway, so finally, and I, this is like, it took us maybe over, well over an hour for me just to finally get the attempt that worked. But I got up. I got up. I mean, 
it's funny. My very first attempt, I passed my. I was going to pass my worn remote to Adam. Oh, to get you to pull right, you up right off the bat. I'm like, here, here's my remote. And yeah. He goes, no, I don't need it. I'm like, okay, you know, <laughs> we'll see. <clears throat> and uh, yeah, no, uh, we didn't end up pulling any line, and got the rig up. And it's funny because I had no idea how close to the edge I was on the right side, but. Imagine you go up, you go up this like kind of like these massive boulders, and you're kind of facing the sky, and then you got to turn right. Yeah, and you go parallel to what you to how you started. Yeah, basically. you go parallel to where you started, and uh, <laughs> and it's such a weird feeling because you're like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna fall it over. It is a weird, even watching it. Yeah, I, I thought for sure because it looks like a if if you if you've never done it and you look at it straight on. It just looks like a double step. Yep. It looks pretty easy, actually. It, yeah, it does. And then, But then you see everyone do it, and everyone does what you said. They go halfway up, and then they go hard passenger. Yep, hard passenger. And they go perpendicular to where they started, and they run this line and then go out of it to the yep. left. Right? And so it's kind of like an S-curve yeah. almost, and that's not at all what I would have expected. Like, if no one told me that's how you do it, I would have been there probably all day trying to go straight up it. Straight up, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and you just don't have the, the angles, right? Like, right. you don't have... You don't have uh, the wheelbase isn't tight enough, and if it was tight enough, you'd probably fall over. You'd probably fall back. Yeah. yeah. So if there's like a balance there, and so the the line is yeah, you go straight up on the big rock, left tire up on the big rock, cut to the right, and then um, if you're there's doing a right, big rock. Yeah. Yeah, you're kind of in a channel. Yeah. And then once you get into this channel, you kind of pull out to the left, and you're good. Um, well, when I saw the video afterwards, <laughs> it's like I'm a foot away from this like seven foot, eight foot kind of drop off. Right. And, uh, you know, so again, your, your airlift thing is not so like far fetched. It's not, especially on a trail like that, where, where the obstacles are, are definitely like the, they, they kind of up the ante right on that, on that trail. Yeah. Because the obstacles are kind of like, once you're in them, you're in them. Like, that's it. There's no, like, at least in some of the ones that we did in Moab, you, a lot of those, you could just back up and try it again. Yeah. Right. With, with, what I saw a lot of the ones on the Rubicon, especially the soup bowl, it's kind of like. You can do that about a quarter of the way into the obstacle. Yeah, like once like, you're once, in, you once get, you're in it, you're in it. The part like, where you're straight ahead, yeah. for the most part, that's kind of it. That's if it. you if you pull to the right and it's not working out, you got to stop and immediately cancel. Otherwise, it'll keep pulling you, pulling you, pulling you until you'll you'll probably flip. Exactly. You know. So, um, yeah, it's it, it was a different level. It, the Rubicon was substantially different from anything in Moab. There were two things. The rock's different. Yeah. Moab, it, it's almost like sandpaper. It just... It sticks. It sticks to you. I've heard that. I've yeah. heard the Rubicon is slick. Like, if if the if Moab was the same rock as the Rubicon, I would say half the shit that we did wouldn't have been... Would have possible. I, I would have had to pull line on everything. Yeah. The fact that, like, that one obstacle with uh, with the Yukon crew, that big... Those yes. big steps, there's no way my, my Jeep would have just that stuck was the, to that. That was the pickle. At the at the last the last three because those were three at the very end of the pickle right is that what no, you're I'm talking, talking about? about the very beginning oh the first that, one that massive one yeah yeah so on the Rubicon yeah everything's super slick and there's been a lot of people on there and there's a lot of fluids that have been spilled on there and oh I, yeah and I think and I think it's just it's yeah I don't know um, you see a lot of broken shit everywhere there's like plug like plug wires. Like oh my gosh! Strewn across. Like I'm always. I was always picking up something. Yeah. Whenever we'd get out, you know, you get out, wait for somebody to do. Like I'd always find shit to pick up and throw in my trash. Yeah. Because like, it's just strewn it's about. Everywhere. Yeah. Um, wow, that's nuts. So you get through that, and then you know, it's 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 a lot of like similar stuff of like it's just never-ending rocks that you're kind of going over at a decent like you know pace. Um, it wasn't. <laughs> it wouldn't be until the very end that we kind of 
got stupid. But um, <laughs> yeah, for the most part of like that first day, super mellow pace. We got to uh, um, we got to this lake, and I would say there, we did that interview with that one guy for his podcast, um, the Cast Pod or whatever he calls it. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, he was asking us like, what makes you do this? Like, why do you want to go out and like? And it truly is, is like you get to these points where you look across this like body of water and you're like, fuck, my dad would never have been able to get to this spot with us. Yeah. He, he would have never have seen this. He would have never seen this because yeah. he never had that, that capability. And you realize the average, the average weekend camper would never get to that lake yeah. on the Rubicon. And even though like thousands of people do the Rubicon every year, yeah, you know, there's still, you got to remember we're like country of like what, 600 million. Yeah. Right. There's, yeah. there's millions upon millions upon millions that will never, ever see this lake in person. Totally. You know, it was you're, just, you're like a fraction of a percent of a percent percentage or percentile totally that will, that will see this lake. It's kind of cool. Yeah. That's pretty cool. It's like kinda, you said, like you said, even on that, when we are doing, when we were doing that interview, you're, it's like you're. It's your ticket to this like exclusive club yeah. of people that can reach these places that are just spectacular. Yeah, yeah, for sure. You know, and that's that's pretty cool. Yeah, I thought so. I mean, it's not not to be like snobbish or, or anything. No, it's not elitist because we're yeah. not saying that you shouldn't do it and that you can't do it. I'm just saying it's cool to be yeah, able to. You absolutely can do it. Yeah, and you just you just have to want to. Yeah, so we got to this lake and we kind of parked up, and I guess we were kind of on one of the <laughs> we were like camped out in one of the kind of bypass areas, which didn't really need to be a bypass um didn't quite understand that parked that close to the trail people are still doing that trail like 3 a.m yeah like yeah and and people coming through with their fully like tubed out buggies with like v8s just just hitting the rev limiter at 3 a.m yeah waking up going what the fuck is going on right realizing it's just some dudes like yeah because i mean some of those people they want to. They're trying to get to their first campsite, and they've been on the side of the trail for eight hours fixing a catastrophic failure. Sure, yeah, and you know. Finally, they're back at it, and they finally they're back at it, and all they want to do is it's like those guys who went to Big Bear that rolled in at two in the morning. Yeah, remember? Like yep. the, they were just like those guys had a rough. We didn't know, but they had a rough day, and they were trying to just find any campsite that they could just like plop down and call it a night. Yep. So, like it's I'm sure I'm sure there's a lot of that on a trail that's that hard that that shreds and eats vehicles. Like mm-hmm. there's got to be a lot of that stuff. Yep. Where guys are doing roadside or roadside trailside maintenance. Yeah, and you know, and then it's a different kind of crowd. A lot of these guys, yeah. they don't give a fuck that you're sleeping. Like <laughs> they don't care. This is the Rubicon. Right. It's made for crawling on. You want to camp on it? Cool. Right. Yeah, it's that's on you. And yeah, you know, there are some proper designated campsites. Um, like once you get to uh, Rubicon Springs, so. The second day, everything that we did was heading out to Rubicon Springs. And on the way there, it's funny, Adam, I was driving Adam crazy because I was following Adam for most of the entire weekend. Um, He was leading and I was behind. And uh, he kept taking these like bonus lines. And I'm like, all right, I'm going to do the bonus line too. Yeah. So, you know, at one point he's like, just because I'm doing the bonus line doesn't mean you need to do it too. Because I was stressing him out. Like, there like, was a, like the little brother. Going yeah. To I'm, like, I'm going to do it. Anything you're going to do, I'm going to do. Right. And, uh, and granted my, my rig is far less capable than his, mind you. Like he's got a fully crawl ready. Like, yeah. That thing is a beast. Like yeah. the Titan Titan 2.0 is, is stupid. And, uh, but I'm like, fuck it. I'm here to, I'm here to party. So I essentially did everything I could next to him. Even at one point he ended up like he avoided a bonus line. And so I just followed him. He's like, he's like, dude, I totally avoided the bonus line just to see if you just, just keep following. And like you were, he's like, God damn it. Um, 
And, uh, but no, we had a lot of fun and it was cool. Cause I, I pretty much hit like, say if there was like, for instance, there were 10 bonus lines. I hit, I did at least eight of them Yeah, that's like, rad. all the way through and did, uh, did all the major gatekeepers. And, you know, we pulled line, like it's funny, two of the times we pulled line, I was just turtled. I was turtled on top of something. Like, yeah. It wasn't even like a skill thing. It was just, and it could have, well, it could have been skill. I could have maybe like known better which way to have gone around bit, it, but a little bit different wheel placement might've saved you, but I was so heavy that I was just constantly sagged down based off of the weight on those springs that I have, which I have oh, to address now. yeah, yeah, yeah. And so it just, I kept getting hung up on my diffs. And at one point it was funny. I had my front diff and my rear diff hung up on two perfectly spaced rocks. <laughs> so there was, I was going nowhere. And so shit like that, I'd have to pull some line. Yeah. There was only one time that I had to pull line because I couldn't get up something. I was just spinning my wheels. Um, but yeah, I was really, I was really happy with how she worked you know how, she, how it worked out and i just got used to the fact that i was going to keep stalling no matter what with the with the manual um somebody's like hey how do you crawl with the manual i'm like with a lot of patience you yeah. know like it's just uh, sometimes it could be a pain in the ass you you get hung up on a rock and she just dies because you're in first right. gear super low rpm right and and you and you don't know like sometimes you know you're like you said right you're going to get hung up on something and then you don't have enough or you have too much or 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 it gives yeah. and then you pick up the speed and you don't have enough or you have too much like yeah. it's just it's gotta be she'll die or whatever right so i so went through that a lot on this trail there's i mean you're gonna get hung up left and right um but it was it was an amazing experience being on on this road where every like granted we had uh, the major part of the the wildfires was happening that weekend of all yeah. weekends yeah so there was only one point where we actually saw some blue sky but for the most part it was like a, a like gray, it is right now yeah kind of like what it is right now with the the um the, shaver the, lake fire the right now there's a fire right here in jerupa oh is there too yeah at the base of uh, big bear there's a fire yeah shaver lake is on fire shaver lake um yeah yep that's so. on fire it's just kind of nasty. So it was like this. Yeah, it was like basically from the moment I left my house to get to Tahoe area, like it was just haze. So that weekend that you went out, mm-hmm. I sent you the fire map and yeah. I had heard. I it was like 300 or something. 600. 600. <laughs> 600 fires in the state of California alone. There were 600 active fires that weekend. That's so crazy. And obviously not all of them were massive, right? There was a bunch of them that were medium or small, but at that that specific weekend, fire crews were battling 600 fires which is just absolutely stupid it was yeah it was a stunning amount and one of our guys cj who was supposed to come ended up getting evacuated had to leave his jeep at his house and like bailed out luckily the fires didn't get to his house but yeah i mean it was real that's real yeah absolutely so the second day uh there was a couple times actually there was this one point where i thought i was hitting i was i thought i was hitting the part of the trail but i actually ended up um like the actual left turn to go on the harder part of the trail was like almost like a driveway ahead. And I went the driveway before, like to oh. the left, like up this shelf of rocks and ended up getting my rear right tire stuck in a, um, in a ditch. And I didn't know. And so as I would, as I would kind of get on the gas, she would just kind of buck up. And I oh. guess at one point and like Adam and his wife, Kayla were kind of further off. And they were like kind of looking back at me going, what's Ali doing? Because I was trying to get around some traffic. <laughs> and uh, I was just having fun. And, yeah. <laughs> and the first time they saw my rig come up, the two tires came up. Oh, geez. And then I'm like, oh, well, if they kind of did that the first time, might as well do it a second time. 
and I see them yelling and I, and I kind of chuckled to myself. I'm like, that's yeah, they're kind of freaked out, whatever. And, uh, and so I went to go do it again. And I guess the second time three wheels came up off the ground. They thought I was going over Ooh. in, in the cabin. It didn't feel as crazy. As severe. Yeah. yeah. But I guess, yeah, they fucking <laughs> Adam starts like running over. He's like, stop, dude, stop, stop. stop. <laughs> like I'd never seen him like actually pissed and upset. And I guess it was like even Kayla's like, this is the first time I've actually seen him pissed and upset. I'm like, mission accomplished. Yeah. Um, <laughs> mission accomplished. I tested his patience. So that was that was the last time that we had to pull line um, where he actually had to. So there was like this huge rock shelf that I was like kind of trying to get up and over and around. Yeah. Well, he had to go on the other side of it with his rig and like anchor me. And then we had to get another anchor point from behind me. Just to keep you from bucking up? From bucking up. Wow. And, this is the only point where I'd say I wonder if the free spirit with as much weight as it had on top was possibly what, because in Moab, we had a lot of weight. We had an awning. A lot of weight. We had an awning. We had the tent. We had a shovel. Had the shovel. rhino rack. You know, like <laughs> it was a whole different setup. It yeah. was a very heavy setup up top, but I never, ever kind of came up. Like there was never those times where I felt like I was going to go back. And I wonder if that weight distributed pretty evenly across the top yeah that's true was what kept me down and now with the new setup my weight's further back that's true because you you don't have that much on the top on the front and and on the front yeah because you'd had half that weight over the cab Mm -hmm. over the drivers and so you had now you've got all your fridge and all your storage is in the back and that's the only thing really the the heaviest stuff yeah it's all in the back it's all in the back now only counterbalance with the engine did you mount your tent forward or did you mount it back? back it's all the way back yeah so one thing I kind of posted about when I was doing my review about the reduction in weight, and I think it kind of saved me, but I don't know for sure, is I need to go do John Bull again and see what that's like. Because I did John Bull with the Free Spirit, yeah, and it was, again, solid, had a lot of traction, and I had a lot of traction because there's a lot of force being applied right, down. Right, right. Um, there's two ways of thinking about it. Super light and powerful, right, which is some Jeep setups that tend to kind of like bounce you up and over and get, get you through stuff. And then... There's this other train of thought that I have where it's like, what if like fucking heavy as shit with good tires also helps in a, in an adverse, as long as you have I mean, the power, I guess you tank theory. Yeah. Like you just kind of <laughs> crawl. Cause in Moab, one thing that stood out to me was we just kind of walked over I mean, so much shit. I mean, uh, to be, to not to get too nerdy, but I was, I was watching this explanation on torque and how, you know, torque is actually calculated and usable torque, right? Like there's such a thing as as too much torque, which they were using Tesla as an example, right? How they had this astronomical numbers for the torque the electric motors put out. But the reality is there's only so much of it that's usable, right? Right, And that that's a quotient of like a vehicle weight Mm -hmm. because that's gravity pushing down on the ground and applicable torque. And so you can use um, drag, you know, tire drag um, and gravity and torque, and you can actually figure out like vehicle, basically using the GVW, the gross vehicle weight, to calculate usable torque okay right and they were using this in the in the instance of like the crawler gear ratios for the bronco right they were saying like what's the actual usable torque mm-hmm. and you know at what point is is it just a, a fancy high number that makes you go ooh ah but it doesn't mean it means fuck all right right so weight is a factor in usable torque like the more weight you have the more usable the more torque gravity the more the more force is yeah. pushing down and anchoring those tires right now the other factor is how loose the ground is Sure. Right. When you're off-roading. Exactly. When you're off-roading. Like if you're on tarmac, right, your usable torque is very different than if you're on a dusty desert landscape. Sure. Right. Uh, So. So, yeah. But I mean, I think there's there's definitely like validity to that concept of like adding weight to increase your your usable torque 
you know, that you have available to you, especially in a crawler gear. Yeah, so I'm, I'm interested to see like some of these other trails that we've done and with the prior setup, how, how it's going to be with the, the kind of new setup. And, you know, it's, it's almost like, you know, if you, uh, if you have your phone balanced on a point and you put the weight across the entire phone, it's going to stay stable. Correct. If you put it all on the back, it's going to lean back. You right. know, it's just, it's that, it's that leverage, right? Yeah, absolutely. So I changed the leverage on the Jeep is what I did. It's definitely going to handle differently. Yeah. Yeah. So my, my next, my next kind of setup is going to be, um, I'm working with Nick over at Rome and we're going to put some Rome boxes and I'm going to move a lot of my heavy like accessory shit, like pots, pans, all that stuff to boxes on the front of the Jeep to maybe balance it out. We'll see. We'll see how it all works. I don't know. Um, but anyways, so there was that moment where it was like that, that was probably like, that was a pucker moment more for Adam because at that point I was like just having fun and I didn't realize how serious it was until like afterwards. Um, but after that, we kind of got to this spot called Rubicon Springs, which is also privately owned. Like, I guess 400 acres around this area is just like private land. Oh, wow. And they let you come in. You have to pay, I believe it's 12 bucks to like stay the night there. And they have campsites as you, as you enter, they have campsites close to this like little river slash Creek, whatever it is, um, body of water that runs by this campsite. It's also where they have the, um, I believe it's called Jeepers Jamboree up in Rubicon where like you get thousands of jeeps out there whatever the cap is yeah and they've got like a full like stage mess hall oh like, wow it's like a whole, it's a whole venue it's a whole venue that kind of comes alive there's during this one point of the year and this year they actually have to cancel it because of covid yeah um but we got to stay over there and they actually let us into this private like group site um which was closed and they opened up the gate and we got in and like all our like all eight rigs like fit nicely in this like open area it was beautiful like you had these like massive boulders that you could kind of like climb up on top of if you wanted like whatever it was just really gorgeous like yeah there was nothing bad about any of this space um by the way there's bears there oh yes there, there are bears <laughs> there are bears um there but, are bears and big bear yeah there, there's bears and big bear as well yeah, yeah. <laughs> but there's bears there's definitely bears in uh, on the rubicon and yeah um so if you do go out there and you're like cooking or whatever bear rules apply you know keep yep. keep your shit away from your camp or tied up to a tree high up in a tree preferably like, cook in daylight yeah like anyway so i didn't i didn't quite realize that until one of the girls uh witnessed the bear bathing in the lake that we were camped out next to that first night nice so, <laughs> just uh fyi yeah um, there's a video going around youtube right now um some of you have probably seen it of a family that went camping in the sierras okay and they were cooking at night and it's the reason i said that because they were they were cooking at night uh-huh. and a bear snuck up on them Oh really? They were sitting there cooking, grilling their, for their, food? their meats. No, he snuck up on them, and they heard him snorting and making noise. Yeah. And when he turned around, the bear was like eight feet from them. Oh shit! And they scrambled. They got in their vehicle, locked the doors, and the bear proceeded to kind of have its way with their camp <laughs> stuff, like their foods and stuff. Like oh god! Like yeah, it's like it's a it's a thing. Like and they're apparently they're pretty damn stealthy. Like yeah. they can they can come up on you pretty Quietly. quick before you even know. Yeah. They, yeah, that's that's nuts. That's, that's scary. Last thing I want. Them and right? snakes. Yeah. <laughs> and I guess oh and and speaking of snakes, I guess uh a few weeks prior to us going up there, a kid a kid had gotten airlifted because he got bit by a rattlesnake. And so yeah, it is rattlesnake a lot, lot of rattle, rattlesnake lot country of rattlesnakes. out there. Um so you know, you just have to be aware there's a lot of beautiful places you want to go hike or walk around and there's a lot of rocks and there's a lot of like spaces for snakes to like hide or i'll tell you right now that anyone coming to california i'm guessing i was gonna say right now like in the summer or fall months mm-hmm. but probably 
for the foreseeable future, to be honest, because our fire seasons are just almost year round now and they just keep getting worse every year. Yeah. So I would say keep in mind that, A, you're going to a fire prone area. And what that usually means is that wildlife is frequently getting getting like displaced, pushed around, pushed around. Yeah, exactly. So if there's a massive fire on the on the northern Sierras, you all that stuff's coming south or it's going no kidding, you know, huh? east or west. Yeah. So, like, you know, point. you've got to you've got to be cognizant of that fact that, you know, that things are kind of being shuffled constantly. I do kind of hope sometimes that, like, the snakes just get fried. And <laughs> granted, then, you know, then, then there's, like, the circle of life, then yeah. it's rodents. And, yeah, I know, I know, I know. And we have but, the plague. <laughs> but there are, there are a few things that I hate more than snakes, and that's, like, sharks in the water or, you know, mountain lions in the, on my on my mountain biking trail. Like, right. You know, those, those, those things that just want to, like, jump out at you and, yeah. and ruin your day. Um, anyway, so we, we go to Rubicon Springs and camp out there, and then uh, we actually we kind of have lunch and then we t- we take off again we like we're gonna stay at camp that's the spot we were gonna stay at but we take off just a little short ways up the hill and there's this spot rubicon springs where it's like there's like some waterfalls and there's like a, a mini lake and there's like you know the, the water just courses through the side of these slabs and so the first part of the slabs it's like kind of families uh one-off old dudes with their jeeps like little bronco club you know like it's just like a family kind of atmosphere everyone's hanging out and then the further down you get there's a campsite that drops like the rocks drop off like there's a shelf and then there's a lower part with another pond area and there's a campsite called dirty dozen and i guess the dirty dozen campsite is basically havasu meets the rubicon like it's spring break (laughs) party it's just unleashed yeah like (laughs) The water itself looked like it was only like maybe four feet deep, but they had like a full zip line from like 30 feet up down straight into it. Like, and I'm like, I wonder who, who went down that zip line and <laughs> who figured out real quick. It's not that deep. Yeah. Who, yeah. who had to figure that one out? Um, yeah. but it was, it was, it was like, there's some pictures I have of it that, you know, we can post online, Absolutely. but it was, uh, um, it was definitely an experience to witness. Like we were, we were, it was very voyeuristic cause we were standing up on these rocks, looking down at this like kind of group site where everyone's like partying. And there's part of you that wants to, like, go and have beers. And there's part of you that, like, wants nothing to do with it. Right, right. Um, because it's, like, you know none, you know none of them and they're all, like, you know, doing their thing. Um, but it was it was definitely a lot to experience, like, in and around this area. Yeah. Um, yeah, that night we went back and uh, uh, we, cooked, we cooked again. Um, I did Persian burritos. Nice. For everyone, um, which if you haven't gone on trail or been around, it's basically marinated Persian meat, uh, chicken meat, and uh, Persian bread with some cucumber. And uh, usually it's a, a shallot yogurt, but I forgot it at home, so we used sour oh. cream, which worked really nice <laughs> yeah. with sour cream, too. Anyways, um, had fed everybody. That's good eating. Yeah, it was, it was pretty good. Yeah. Um, everyone was stoked and uh, woke up the next morning and went up, uh, went up Cadillac Hill. Which was pretty much the final kind of gauntlet of the Rubicon um, up to uh, Observation Point, which was a beautiful view. Would have been way better had the fires not been around. Would, like, I could only imagine how epic yeah. that, that skyline would have been. But, you know, we wrapped it up with a nice group shot. And then uh, the final stretch of the trail was basically just this gravelly, rocky kind of trail all the way back to uh, the trailhead. And Adam was up, up front, and he's like, you know, he likes to go fast. And so he's up front, and we're all on comms uh, with the ruggeds. And so he was calling out anybody that was, like, kind of coming up on the trail. 
And so we all kind of felt a little comfortable to cut loose a little. I think that's where I broke everything. Oh, wow. So so you were actually pretty good almost the entire trail. For the most, my, my bump stops were starting to bow out. Yeah. Um, but I think I probably put the nail in the coffin. Uh, the Sorry to get a little rowdy. Halfway, halfway on this like kind of higher speed, like rocky, gravelly, like you know, trail. Yeah. Um, I suddenly felt my front end kind of start to shimmy, weird, and I'm like, "That's weird. I wonder if it's just the rocks, you know." So I didn't think a lot of it. Yeah. Well, fuck. Turns out that's probably the point where my track bar mount just broke off it's completely. Snapped. Yeah. And so, dude, I. If you start to feel something that doesn't feel normal, <laughs> my recommendation in the future would be just back it off. A hundred percent. That's actually one of the reasons why it i don't blast music on the trail yeah so you can like hear shit. so i can hear stuff yeah. because nine times out of ten before you have the catastrophic failure mm-hmm. there's usually a noise or a feel that is already happening yeah if you're if you're paying attention and you can prevent shit from really getting bad if you can catch it if you can catch it yeah and, i mean i think i got very lucky because it was quite a from that moment that i started to feel something off but it it kind of I guess just driving, I corrected for it, and so had no problem like getting the the rig around corners and shit. Yeah, even with how she was feeling, got back got back to uh, we got to the, the the end of the trail at the staging area. Got out, my bump stops were just totally kicked out. You've seen them. Now. I've seen them. Yeah, it's they're just gnarly. Fucked. Um, the bump I've never. Stop, I didn't even know that was possible, dude. The bump stop mounts themselves are kicked out, like the mounts that hold the bump stop straight. So the the, the no mounts and the and the bump stop, the strike plate, essentially the, that that kind of like that surface that comes up, right? I don't know. Well, what the, they call so it. the perch, the perch, the yeah. perch is kicked out completely. That's kicked out like what forty degrees? Yeah, like forty five degrees the, towards the wheel, towards the tire. Yeah, yep. like that's insane. And then the bump stop itself. The top of the bump stop is kicked out towards the firewall, so it's no longer straight up and down. It's, oh, my gosh. It's at an angle, so the mount's fucked. Oh, man. Um, and then the track bar was cleanly broken off. Like, I almost wish I had a, a aftermarket track bar mount with me because it would have been nice to have tacked that on and set yeah. the old one back on. But luckily, Steve That's from Power gnarly. Tank. Yeah, super gnarly. Steve from Power Tank had a kit that he put together off of Amazon parts that connect a couple batteries that he can then connect to like just a welding rod yep. and just do tack welds yeah um and will randy's cousin he uh he actually is a welder oh wow and so between him and steve and, and myself like we got everything wrapped back up together drove the 400 miles back home no problem yeah also we had to go and work a couple of times with that same kind of trail weld um so yeah in in hindsight I would have done a couple of things before even going on this trip. Because you actually beefed up some of the mounts on the rear axle yeah. before well, you I, left. I redid everything almost. Yeah. Like, I refreshed everything. It was at Icon. Like, they they rebuilt all my shocks. They redid. They gave me all the bushings. All the bushings got changed But out. even, like, the, the trailing arm, like, the or the arm, the, the mounts on the actual um, rear axle, you had new, new oh, yeah, mounts yeah. welded yeah. onto the axle. So that, like, some super thick... Steel yep. mounts that were welded onto the axle. So the upper track bar mounts yeah. um, were all redone with the Artec Industries. Uh, like it's a half inch steel. Yeah. Versus I think the stock it looks looks closer to like an eighth. Like three sixteen. Like, yeah, something. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, it's amazing. It was yeah. One of the track bar mounts in the rear was shearing off, which is why I replaced it. Yeah. Um, but I think we covered that. Anyways, um, but yeah, one thing I would have done is I would have changed the front track bar mount. Um, oh, sorry. Rear upper control arm mounts is what it was. Front track bar mount I would have replaced 
had I known there was a there was a couple spots on once we pulled it off there was a couple spots that were actually rusted that should have been where the welds were so it goes to show me that I'd already broken a weld on some past trip right that had since rusted. this was already happening it was already fatigued it was already like you know on its way out so yeah it's almost like in in my mind I'm thinking anywhere where there's like a a major arm linking to you almost want to re-hit it yeah you almost want to reinforce it or just check the weld or like hammer on it to I don't see know if it moves. I don't know if this is the same conversation, like the same piece. Um, but I remember we were looking under the, on the front of the Jeep and we, and you and I were both looking at some of the mounts. Um, and it looked like, I don't want to say tack weld. It's not a tack weld, but it wasn't a full length weld. Right. Yeah. Right. And so is the track bar is the same thing yeah, where it's so like cornered, it's welded at the corners and the sides, but it's not a full it's, length. It's not a full length weld. There's like only like almost like one inch to one and a half inch sections that are welded. Yeah. That are good enough for probably like 80% of what you're going to do with a Jeep, right. you know, on a normal purchase. Um, but, yeah. I don't know. I mean, I guess since the JK, on the JL, they've reinforced things substantially. Yeah. So the JLs actually tend to be a little bit more beefier in terms of, like, the welds and steel. I think, you know, steel. It's, those are parts that maybe even at stock weight, they're not getting as much torque and leverage. Right, right. right? But when you start adding a lot of weight and, you know, a lot of overland type stuff mm-hmm. to your vehicle and where you're, you know increasing or pushing the max of the gvw yep like yeah those things are getting a lot of torque and a lot of pushing and pulling from from the bars they're attached to from the body they're attached to so yeah yeah, absolutely yeah anyways so i would have i would have replaced those and then um i wouldn't have done this trail had i known without fixing the spring rate issues so i've been running icon for some time now and there have been issues with the spring rates not being stiff enough but i've always kind of like gotten through it never yeah. never really like suffered per se for it just realized oh it would have been nice if my spring rates were better because then i wouldn't have hit this rock or i wouldn't have bottomed out there yeah uh but you know like we've said the suspension has done well for quite a few different types of trips. absolutely um but really i mean i shouldn't have done it without getting it addressed i'm gonna i'm, I'm addressing it now with accutune off-road so there should be some information coming out soon from me because uh, I know there's some people that listen to this and also follow me who've actually purchased the same kind of suspension setup. And so I'm looking forward to being able to get the right spring rates for a certain weight, like having a fridge, having goose goose shit. And that's true for anybody, straight up. Yeah. Like even me right now, I'm, I'm addressing a lot of those on the FJ right now. Like I've changed out my rear springs already. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm changing out the front springs here pretty soon. Um, to account for adding a winch and a heavier bumper. Yeah, because your front end's starting to droop. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so I think like a, a company like AccuTune, wherever you are in the country, there's a lot of these shop companies that will, or independent shops that will tune your suspension and they kind of specialize in they it. They specialize in it, and yeah. they'll they'll actually weigh your four corners and they'll valve the shock to your setup. Yep. Because a lot of these setups that you buy off the shelf, whether it's King, Icon, Bilstein, whatever. Almost all of those are tuned for a factory setup for your yeah, vehicle. Yeah. So if you have a Tacoma. Factory with a couple mods. Exactly. Yeah. If you have a Tacoma or an FJ or a Jeep and you buy one of these setups, they're not factoring in a rooftop tent, an awning, a fridge. Most of them are when they say. Cabinet systems. Yeah. When they say that they're, that they're valved for the JK yeah. or they're valved for the FJ, they're valved for a pretty close to stock setup with maybe bigger tires. Four passengers. Exactly. Four passengers. Like yeah. They're valved for stock performance. Yeah, and if right? you think about four passengers, you're not always thinking about four adults. You're thinking about a full-grown adult, two full-grown adults, which, you know, let's say everyone's on a diet, so they're 175 each, 325 yeah. up front, and then your kids in the back, let's say 100 pounds each, 200. Yeah. That's only 500-something pounds which, 
honestly, in America, you're probably pushing 200 pounds in an adult male alone, 220 in an yeah. adult male, right? Your wife, let's just be generous and say 100 pounds, 120, yeah. <laughs> right? And so, I mean, yeah, you're right. 325 pounds is yeah. pretty average. Yeah, and so when you kind of factor that and then you kind of think about the weight and whatnot, it's like you're not dealing with you're not dealing with a, a substantial amount of weight that you're actually looking at once you do all steel everything uh roof racks exactly. tents fridge and that weight adds up so quick yeah, man. like before you know it and then that's not even including all the temporary gear that you throw in right all the food all the water all the fuel a steel cage clothes, tire carrier right all the stuff that you're throwing in that is just for that trip that isn't even bolted to the vehicle yep. right like there's I mean, it adds up really quick, and so that's when it's really important that once you kind of have, and don't do this out of the gate, my opinion. Mm. Wait till you know what your setup is within a ballpark. Like you say, this is how we usually camp. This mm-hmm. is what we usually take. And then go visit one of these places that will that will valve your vehicle yep. for that, right? Yeah, so like when I go to Accutune, I'm going to load it up with all my camp gear yeah, and a couple sandbags to account for like, like somebody sitting in the passenger seat or whatever. Sure, sure. And then kind of see what we're looking at see what you're at yeah Mm -hmm. yeah because that's i mean it's not to oversimplify it but like even when we do when we do the rc racing we do the same thing we we measure out we weigh out the four corners and valve yeah Yeah, you and you front and rear balance the vehicle right and so because all that's performance right and so it's it's kind of you know and honestly it's all it it all translates right it's all inertia and geometry and 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 how weight is distributed like it all translates up to up to you know vehicles and everything in between so yeah so i would i would have done my spring rates i would have done my track bar um beyond that though i mean the new setup on the on the rear shocks with the remote reservoirs like a remote location reservoirs actually worked out really well i think it would have been easy to have clipped off my uh um my fixed mounted reservoirs again given the rock gardens and how much my rear end would like hit like sag down yeah so i think that was a really good call um, unfortunately I didn't get around to, cause the, the rear skids from Evo came like basically the day I was leaving. Yeah. So I didn't get around to putting them on. I should have in hindsight should have definitely Were put them on. shock mount skids. Yeah. Shock yeah. mount, rear shock mount skids, lower shock mount skids. And so what ended up happening is not only did I kind of bash the shit out of my lower shock mount, like, you know, um, lo- the lower shocks as well as the mounts, but even on one of the shafts of the rear shock, I actually scraped it up, which I guess can lead to uh, seal failure. So I'm yeah, it'll. I'm it, gonna have to get those rebuilt too. So yeah, depending on how bad the scuff is, if it's got a sharp edge to it, yeah. it'll it'll shred the seal. Yeah. And so you know, I could have saved myself a lot of grief if I had <laughs> if I had just started a week earlier and done the the spring. Yeah, but you know, hindsight's twenty twenty, man. Totally. You and, know, and that's hopefully hopefully the lesson here for those listening, right? Like that's what, the value. That's, that's what makes your dick grow. You know? <laughs> exactly. Get um, that driver IQ. That's right. Get and uh, <sighs> secondhand driver IQ is is always is always the best. Uh, uh, there's some things you got to learn on your own, but but hopefully you can, you can listen to me and be like, okay, yep. I have a very heavy ass bitch myself, and I need to make sure I address some address of these things. These things. Yeah, like seriously, if you're gonna start crawling hard, your truck, your front truck bar mount will go. I've already seen multiple of them uh, fail on other people's rigs. Yep, absolutely. It finally happened to me. It will happen to you. Yep. If you're driving it hard and you're heavy, absolutely, no doubt. So these are the kind of things it's like almost like if you really have downtime, dude, replace your stock winter uh, projects. Yeah. Replace your rear, your rear upper controller mounts, replace your track bar mount, replace any point of failure or like reinforce any point of failure that you can. Yeah. For those of you that live in parts where you're snowed in, you know, four months out of the year, these are, these are your your project. These are your winter projects. 
It, will it will it be fine if you don't do that for a while? Absolutely. Sure. But sure. will it eventually fail? Absolutely. Yeah, it's just something to keep an eye on. You don't have to do it day one that you get your Jeep, but yeah, definitely keep an eye on it because eventually you will have to do it. Anyways, up to that point, it was like I was going to spend the night originally. Um, we are going to go back to the ice house, and Randy wanted to go check out this part of Lake Tahoe, which is a half half nudist beach, half like crystal clear water. <laughs> and I think it was there more for the crystal clear water because yeah. nobody was looking. No one was looking forward to seeing naked old people. Right. Um, <laughs> and so uh, they went. They went to go do that. We stopped at this place called the Burger Lounge, which I highly recommend. Bomb ass burgers. Get the get the pesto fries um, out there in South Tahoe. Um, really good food and full. Like they they got a lot of local beers as well. So nice spot to kind of recharge and like refresh yourself, uh, uh, wash your face and like arms in the sink. Um, but then I bounced. I'm like, you know what? I'm just gonna head home, get to the kids, and I and I got home around like 12 o'clock that night. And uh, and then I really haven't looked too hard at the Jeep outside of the couple of issues, and I haven't even touched her. Yeah. Since and it's been a couple of weeks now. Um, I think there's just part of me that needs a break and I've, yeah. I spent a lot of money leading up to the Rubicon and I'm looking at a decent chunk of change post Rubicon. Uh, but I know in the next couple of weeks I'll probably have her fixed back, back to, uh, operational kind yeah. of shape. Um, and it was a good learning experience and it's, and it's definitely a bookend to, you know, if you ever listen to my origin story on like how kind of Kate came about with episode the, one the Subaru that I had and like why I even like got into this whole thing. Um, the so how does it how does it feel like how do you how do you feel I mean did you have like I mean you had some time to yourself driving home like yeah. did you have like in your mind any kind of like reflection where you're just like from the beginning to end like like I think some of that got marred by how stressful the whole situation at work was with this launch so unfortunately I think the the goal to really come to some kind of like closure and peace with myself in doing this and having this experience got a little derailed because life constantly was poking its head into like, you know, yeah. me being able to, being able to be in the moment. So I was always thinking about like next week, next week, you know, and um, that kind of sucked. But I mean, overall there was a, there was a definite sense of like, yeah, I've fucking have grown throughout this whole experience over these past couple of years have, uh, have definitely kind of proven to myself what I set out to originally prove. And now it's more like, I think now, especially with like, getting the front runner rack, getting the two person tent, um, starting to, starting to get more things that align with what I actually do versus, you know, what I thought originally I was going to do or what I yeah. thought, you know, wanting to get the suspension set up. Right. Like now I'm almost like this next year, once I get some of the stuff dialed in, it's going to be like, now it's the way I want it. Right. Right. And now it's going to be set up the way I, the way I want to go and the way I want to do it and how I want to be and the things I want to do like fishing and, you know, whatnot that you and I have been talking about wanting to really start off on a, yeah. on a stronger, um, um, effort with. So I think, I think the next year is going to bring with it a lot of like personal improvements in terms of, um, what I want to get out of the experiences. Uh, I know we're starting our, our own little crew right now of, uh, people that we've kind of been doing this a lot with. Yeah. And so I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing more trips with us. Yep. Um, and uh and just kind of starting to make my own true way with you know with the group um that we have into this into this world and and having fun um you know outside of the podcast i have no urgency really to like have to do it any certain way or or be a certain way and i think we've actually kind of done a good job of that in general of just being who we are yeah absolutely Um, 
but yeah it definitely was some closure it was like always like this this rubicon trip was always this thing where i thought like man rubicon i gotta do this like yeah and now for me it's like okay now i want to go now that i've got like some major trails under my belt and some good experience it's like now i really want to go be part of those uh easter jeep safari like trails like in the harder ones and yeah i want to get after like you know some better like you know crawling experiences because yep. i'm really enjoying it and i want to see kind of the limits i can push with yeah you it's like what we talked about actually when we were in the jeep driving to moab over a year ago the adjacent possible yeah right and you've you've pushed those boundaries like those boundaries the ones that that existed a year ago are are gone like you you you've pushed those walls you know another 80 miles out right like of, of, of capability mm -hmm. and there's a couple of things that we have in the works right now that i'm working with a couple of people um that we're kind of discussing and uh two trips one is like a group thing and one's a personal thing um that are i think one of them's kind of been done but we're going to do it our way and see how it goes and then another one hasn't been done yet um at least not with anyone with like a tent and the whole shebang so i'm um, looking forward to seeing how that goes and if it goes off, then it'll be a cool piece of content that, yeah. you know, should be fun to, to watch. Um, but yeah, man, I mean, it's that whole kind of like, you know, Rocklander, you know, lifestyle yeah. of, you know, having rigs that are over encumbered <laughs> and pushing them <laughs> like legit to their limits yeah. beyond what they're Absolutely. really, you know, what anyone has any right of doing. Like, you know, anybody like me that gets out there and breaks, no one should ever feel sorry for or upset about uh because we asked for it yeah flat out asked for it so you know i do appreciate the help from sponsors and and friends who've come together to kind of help me get things together but the reality is i've put myself in every single one of those situations yeah that's one of those things where if you're gonna it's it's the expectation if you're gonna push your vehicle to the limit and push your your driver iq to the limit right expect that it's not always gonna work out that's yeah. just that that is that it's that's the deal you make yeah for sure so i mean I don't want to say it's only a matter of time, but the expectation that it could be is there um, of something really bad happening to Kate. But <laughs> I'm hoping I'm hoping I can get through this year and have a lot of fun. And then, yeah. you know, if anything really bad happens, like, you know, and start from scratch and kind of rebuild and make it stronger and better. Yep. Um, it seems like what a lot of the people that we roll with tend to do. It's like, you know, even Adam, when he rolled, it's like came back stronger, better. Yeah. You know, like it's either either you're about it or you're not. And. I would definitely not say to get into this if you're in any least bit worried about major damage happening to your vehicle. And granted, I don't want anything to happen to my rig, but I know by going it's out there, risk, yeah. it's a risk. Yeah, yeah so absolutely. Keep that in the back of your head. No tears, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know your limits, right? Know your tolerance, right? And, yeah. and you know, you can you can definitely outgrow that tolerance, but at least kind of know know where it is. I mean, I, yeah. would, I would say one last thing is this guy reached out on social. He's like, Hey, so how do you crawl in with a manual? And I kind of told him my experience. I'm like, and then he started saying some things, which made me realize this guy's going out by himself. I'm like, dude, go out with people. Yeah. Go out with people who know better. Oh, I'm starting to meet. Well, it's like, if you haven't met anyone yet, don't go like, right. Like don't do it. Especially if you don't have this, have the skill set to self recover or self repair. Exactly. You're going to end up being one of those guys that a lot of people are going to have to spend their time to help out yeah. when it could have just been one guy that, you've met yeah. created a relationship with or went out with a group you know yeah so and you're going to put yourself you're going to be forced to do obstacles or do things because you have no choice because you're by yourself yeah. where if you were with someone that you could attach a winch line to yep right and it could make this so much easier like yeah it definitely going there's some there's some trails you know and i'm talking like beyond fire roads right that, that are you just should not probably do on your own it's Absolutely. just smarter yeah 
and you know speaking of attaching yourself to somebody else like dude I didn't see it until Steve posted some pictures, but Steve was proactively from Power Tank. Steve was actually like taking photos, or Tyler was taking photos of uh, of trees that were growing with these crazy rings, like dented oh, rings, yeah. from people yeah. who would hook up just a straight line, not using a tree saver. to the tree. And it, yeah. and I had never seen how bad yeah. that fucks a tree up. I mean, that's a real thin line applying a lot of force to a tree. To yeah. a tree, yeah. So I guess it kills that, it you does. know, that outer ring around the tree. It crushes the um I mean, not vessels because I mean, but they are. It it crushes the the vessels that transport, you know, the nutrients up and yeah, down the tree. Up and down the tree. Yeah. And so a company like Dead Man Off-Road with their, you know, with their uh, Dead Man that you can wrap around the tree. Yeah. And other companies that's that, you know, like Factor Fifty Five sells like they sell tree savers. Like yep. they That's actually why they exist. Yeah, you know, and, and Dead Man Off Road actually has a, the loop that you can wrap around. These are far less harmful to you know the trees on a trail than attaching a line. Yeah, I mean, it. most of these trees can take it. They're very strong. They're very sturdy. If you do it properly, you just have to distribute the weight exactly. Yeah. If you do it properly, they can they can totally take it without damaging the tree. But if you're doing it on a on, a, on an inch line. Right, it's a, it's a lot of force applied to a very small area, and yeah, it just creases the tree. Yeah, you know, and there's there's one other thing, and I know we're kind of going a little long here, but there's one other thing that I wanted to talk about, and it's like you can probably do the Rubicon with a stock off-road front and rear four-wheel drive, like rear lockers, four-wheel drive vehicle. I mean, we talked about this last time. A yeah. lot of companies do, right? They use it as kind of the, the, testing, the, bed. the testing bed for a lot of their off-road vehicles, right? Ford, Jeep, Toyota has done it. Like, a lot of companies have kind of taken their their would-be off-roaders for their test runs on something like this. It's kind of, a, it's kind of the, the final trial for, for the market, right, to prove your, your, totally. your grit. But I would, I, would, I would say somebody in their stock Tacoma, TRD Tacoma, with nothing in it, has done it. But there was a guy who tried, I guess, and left his rig on the fucking on the on the fork right at the front of the fork of of the trail. And I heard later that a couple of people took out different parts of this vehicle's shit and his rear bumper actually took out somebody's FJ, like the right side panel oh, of the, wow. somebody's FJ because the, the dude left his fucking shit like right there on the he trail left it on the trail. Yeah. And he broke, I guess, his whole like CV Boo, tie rod, everything was just destroyed on his wow. like driver's side at least is what we probably could see. out there by himself. Yeah, probably out there by himself. <laughs> and it's like fucking had a KC Gravity Pro Six bar on on the front end. And it's like yeah. no light locks. Get yeah. light locks because that's gonna be gone. You're lucky. You're lucky. We went by there, and you know we're not the thieving kind. But right. Would have been real easy to take your light bar, buddy. Like, yeah. So don't leave your shit like in the middle of the trails, and make sure you have a kind of vehicle that should be out there. Period. Yeah. That vehicle yeah. was not. Know everything what, was stock. Everything yeah. was stock. Know what you're getting into. It's like he bought it and he drove it out there. Yeah. Like, I, I mean, we've seen many of those. I mean, in, and it doesn't even have to be the Rubicon. Right, even right here off of uh, on San Diego Peak, there's been w- when um, what's that can when uh, the canyon was open. Um, Sun, uh, what are you talking? Oh, Holy Jim. Yeah, when Holy Jim was open, yep. dude, you would see all day long brand new Tacomas yeah. with, with dealer plates <laughs> right. going up Holy Jim. And I'd probably say at least once a month there was one rolled over on its side on yeah. Holy Jim. And so, I mean, it doesn't have to be a gnarly trail, right? But a lot of a lot of guys will buy these trucks, and yes, they're capable, but it's not just the truck. It ha- you have to be capable. They run out of talent, like yes. you like to say. Yeah. yeah. You you can't. Th- there's 
when you sign the dotted line and you bring your truck home, you bought a truck. You didn't buy talent. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you gotta, you gotta build that up. It's funny. That's where I actually started just messing around was Holy Jim. Yeah. 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 Back in the day. Yep. Anyways, guys. Well, I mean, hopefully my little recant and I'm sure I left out a shitload of details, but, um, you know, some of the tips and tricks and, and some of the experience will help guide your, uh, your experience when you go do it. If you go do it, highly recommend it. If you have a, a vehicle like ready to go for it, um, you know, go for it. I mean, it's, yep. it's a great, great experience. Go with friends. Don't go by yourself and have fun. Have a great time. Yep. Yep. So anyways, pay some bills, pay and, some uh, bills. and get on with our day. It's yep. actually, we, this is probably the most timely episode we're ever going to do. Frank's going to go home and get this out today. Today. It is Labor Day. <laughs> And yep. this is the first time we've ever done it on the day of, I think. On the day of. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Crazy. Crazy. So on that note, uh, huge, huge thanks uh, to our longtime supporter um, and and 50% employer, yeah. uh, Casey, <laughs> Casey Highlights, uh, for always, um, you know, building great products, building a great family. Um, huge family, yeah. You know, they're, they're just, it's, you know, great values, um, great atmosphere, great products. Yeah, we just um, we just launched the Flex Ever Three, yep. and I know it's been really hyped up, and we've done a great job on the hype machine. And unfortunately, it's been too good because we're about to go out of stock. Yeah, so if you haven't gotten them yet, yeah. um, jump on it because you're gonna you might be waiting a little while for for the next shipment. Yeah, and then yeah, so I mean it was kind of by design. I mean you know we knew we we're gonna have X amount. What about the sunglasses? Are those sold out? No, we just restocked them. Oh, see, so, so there you go. heat wave heat wave sunglasses can which get are, you through. Which are super dope. We should post some on Instagram. Sure. We'll post some up so you guys can see them because they're super dope. Yeah, like we just them. restocked those. It was a great collab with uh, us and Heatwave. Yep. Um, super great guys uh, over there. Um, and Justin the custom and the lenses. And the, and the custom amber lenses that were actually modeled after, after Justin's flex amber lens covers yep. lens covers for his uh for his harley that he that <laughs> he so outfitted on so anyways just a lot of love on their end towards us and yep. it just it shows because the the collab came out so nice yeah absolutely um but yeah and then, um gear, gear forward. forward yep yep gear forward um we're collecting stuff for them i just collect, i just picked up some stuff this past weekend um how are you going to get everything to them um, what's that plan the plan? plan is to distribute it here oh like really? in southern california okay. yeah to Got get it. it to people in socal um, so yeah, I picked up like nine sleeping bags from this awesome lady named Beverly. Um, she was super cool and she's got a lot more camping gear for me. She said, but she just had time nice. to go through the sleeping bags. So, um, but you know, if you're not in Southern California and you can't get gear to us, um, or you don't have gear, but you want to support them financially, mm-hmm. um, gearforward.com, check them out. Um, you can send gear to them any from anywhere in the country and they'll redistribute it, uh, to those in need, or you can, um, follow them on Instagram at gear underscore forward. And uh, and give them a shout out. They're a great organization. Um, work really hard to help get kids the gear they need so they can explore this fantastic land of ours. That's awesome. Well, dude, thanks for uh, thanks for making the trek out and kind of doing this recap with me. I, oh yeah, no, it's I'm fine. sure everyone's tired of hearing about me. We'll get back to normal the normal plan. Uh, we are we are doing one more from inside a location, which will be um, off off the grid surplus. Yeah, um, looking forward to hanging out with Josh over there and uh, his team and checking out the new shop yep. you know in the midst of all this they, they actually created a brick and mortar yeah. spot so it'll be interesting to see like how that looks and you know what he's forecast the, the future to look like especially given current events yeah yep. but we're, we've got some plans Ollie and I have some good conversations this morning so we've got the, the RFD machine uh, October we've got, some, we've got some stuff in the works but we'll keep you posted on that and we'll let you guys know plenty of time what we've got planned I'm going to just give you a heads up right now October 1st plan for something different yeah 
as far as our meetups go. So yeah. we're going to kick it off with a, a good bang, I think. And yeah, that'll be fun. And then see where it goes after that. So mark your calendars. Welcome. So anyways, right. I'm Ali with Kate the Jeep. Frank at Trucky McTruck Base. Thank you, friends. Thanks. Thanks.